Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. And the Levites who were the singers and all those of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun, these are all these were leaders of the worship. They were the worship pastors. With their sons and their brethren stood at the east end of the altar clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments and harps, and with them 120 priests, 120 priests sounding trumpets, 120 trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass that when the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound, it came to pass that when the trumpeters, the musicians, those who were singing, when they had unified, when they had a unified voice, when they began to sing and worship in unity, to be heard and praising and thankful, thank, thanking the Lord, and when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music, and they prayed the Lord, praised the Lord, saying, For He is good, and His mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord, for His mercy endures forever. Why don't you say that with me? Praise the Lord, for His mercy endures forever. Again, praise the Lord, for His mercy endures forever. It says, when they did this, when they unified themselves in worship, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. They couldn't even continue on in, their, in the religious duties. They couldn't continue on in what they were doing because the glory of the Lord filled the house. Lord, let your glory fill our house. Lord, let us... Let us come together, Father, in a, in a unified worship, a unified sound. Lord, let us, let us begin to worship in a unified sound, Lord. Let your glory come and fill our house. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're able to be seated. You can uh, spontaneously here. I love, I love sharing testimonies. If you can just keep playing for a moment. I love sharing testimonies. Uh, I'm going to get to the message here in a moment, but I think it's important that we hear what God's doing in our church. I think it's important that we hear what God's doing in our church and in our congregation. So I'm going to ask Mandy if she'll come, Mandy Eater, if she'll come, and Cindy Veach, if she's here. Cindy, why don't you come on down, and Miss Jewel Dean. 
I saw Jewel Dean somewhere. Um, if someone can grab Jewel Dean, that would be great. Uh, she might have stepped out for a moment. But Mandy, why don't you come on up? So why don't you share, obviously God was doing something in your life uh, last week, <laughs> a couple weeks, yeah, a couple weeks ago. Uh, what happened? What, what was going on? Just hold the mic up so people can hear you. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for the heads up on that. Um, wow. Uh, a couple weeks ago, service was rather incredible for me. Um, I was definitely full of the joy of the Lord. Um, just a little background. Over the last year before the transition started, um, you know, I served and um, I was doing children's ministry. And when that kind of started slowing and we started changing and transitioning, um, someone here in service actually uh, came to me and just reminded me that this is my time to have a relationship with God and not to strive anymore. And so I've been trying to learn to have a relationship with God and stop striving. So two weeks ago, it kind of, um, God just grabbed a hold of me and the Holy Spirit said, it's your time. <laughs> it's your time. So um, it was a great service. Uh, I laughed a lot from what I've been told. I laughed a lot <laughs> and I was full of joy. But as that week then went through, um, what God was doing was just reminding me that there is still a new thing to be done and he is doing a new thing in me, which is um, crazy and completely outside of the box and very exciting all at the same time. So transitioning me out of a ministry that I have always thought, ah, is this what I'm supposed to do with the rest of my life? Um, God has just become clearer and clearer and clearer over the last couple of weeks and moving me in a new direction. And I'm very excited. I'm very yeah. excited about what God's doing. It's awesome. It's awesome. So you, have you ever have you ever experienced that joy before like that? Before? Not like that. And what, Not like that. What, um, you know, some, a lot of times, sometimes, or not a lot of times, sometimes, a lot of times people, uh, when they see things like that happen, they're not, you know, they don't understand what's going on, why, why people are laughing uncontrollably and, you know, what's taking place. What was God doing in that moment? What, what do you feel like was happening in you oh, as a result? Just being freed. I just felt free. I felt relaxed. I felt open. Um, I just felt joy. I mean, that's all it was. It was just pure joy. I just was relaxed and content. I could have stayed on the floor the entire service and just been in his presence. It was awesome. That's awesome. It's awesome. Thank you. It's awesome. And then Cindy. So Cindy was here with us at the uh, retreat this weekend. And what, what happened as a result? What happened as a result of being here? What was God doing? Oh, geez. God was... Uh basically saying, you got to go help. I went and helped. I got in the house, and first thing I have cats. Cats were sniffing my shoes, trying to eat my jeans, trying to lick me to death. Uh, she was helping with the food, by the way. Yeah. I'm, I'm weird, but not that weird. <laughs> but then, um, over the course of the evening, I uh, have my time that I pray. It is when my daughter and my granddaughter go to bed and I was sitting there and praying and I started laughing I started feeling this oh thank you Lord for being there have you ever experienced that before like that oh yeah yeah I was you did an altar call I came up with a friend of my daughter's and I the Holy Spirit came into me started laughing and giggling 
and this older lady was looking at me like I must have been nuts or something. But that's when you're supposed to enjoy what God's giving you. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. It's awesome. Thank you, Sydney. Miss Jewel Dean. So, and, and Jewel Dean was with us here this weekend as well. And so, what happened? I, and I, I'm, I just caught all this by third way. I just got this information this morning. So, <laughs> I wonder how you knew. <laughs> Pastors know everything. <laughs> Friday night. For those of you who were not here, you missed it. It was the most phenomenal, eye-opening experience I've ever had. I grew up in Pentecost. I'm familiar with Pentecost, but I never really, and I've heard about Azusa Street all my life, but I never really realized or knew what preceded it or preceded that move of the Holy Spirit. And I was so full when I left here, I prayed in my heavenly language all the way home. Now, I watched and drove and prayed <laughs> until I got off at Waterloo Road to get gas. And I thought, if somebody talks to me, I hope I can use their language because I don't think I can speak English. Phenomenal experience. I've never ever had that experience in my life, but I want all that God has for us, and I am just so excited with what God's doing here. Amen. So, have you ever had that happen where you just couldn't talk English, that it was just for hours, tongues? Not like that. Revival uh. services and at church camp when I was a kid, you know. Um, I received the Holy Spirit when I was 13, and I have spoken in my heavenly language more in the last six months, Pastor, than I have since I was 13, and I just thank and praise the Lord. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Lord. God's doing a new work, a fresh work in our church, and I just want to encourage you to get in the middle of it, get in the middle of what God's doing. Don't miss out on what God's doing here. Jump right on in. You may say, well, I don't, you know, thanks, Grace. You may say, I don't, uh, I don't fully understand all of that's happening. And, and let me just tell you, if you're, if you're trying to figure out, if you try to figure out what God's doing, and uh, you have to understand everything that God does in your natural mind before you can receive it, forget it. It's just not going to happen. Um, you're, you know, the last time I checked, I don't fully understand how Jesus saves me. I don't understand how I, I'm a sinner, and by the blood of Jesus, I, my natural mind can't understand that. Anybody with me? My natural mind can't even begin to understand and comprehend how a holy God can save a messed up sinner like me. I don't understand how God, and maybe, maybe you're not a sinner this morning. Maybe you're perfect. Maybe you're here this morning and you're absolutely perfect. And it makes perfect sense to you that Jesus could save you because why wouldn't he want you on his team? Because you're so perfect. But uh, for those of us, uh, Heather and I were laughing about this yesterday. For those of us, whether you've grown up in church or you're the drug dealer, ex-drug dealer, whatever the case might be, his blood still saves. His, his blood still transforms Jesus. And, and I don't understand it, but it happens. It happens. 
And uh, so it's exciting, uh, all that God's doing. If you have your Bibles, uh, and, and this is where the media team gets nervous, um, I told them before service, I sent them three different sets of notes and said, be ready for whatever message I end up preaching, because I really don't know. Um, but I'm going to start off, and I may preach all three of them this morning. We might be here. Uh, you know, they said that Azusa Street, they would start it in the morning and go all night and preach and prophesy and testimony. So we might just follow suit and just go that route. But uh, Mark chapter 5 is where I'm going to begin. I, I, shared, I shared this uh, part of this on Wednesday, and uh, I, I'm just going to start here. I felt like what I shared on Wednesday uh, is applicable to our Sunday morning crowd. I don't usually preach the same messages, but um, I, I feel like this, there's, there's a word that needs to be shared again this morning. And by the way, if you miss Wednesday nights, uh, you miss an incredible service. Um, we have a phenomenal time on Wednesdays, and uh, there are times that I look at my watch and 8.30, 8.45 is rolled around, and I'm like, it feels like we just started. Um, so, you know, I would encourage you, if you miss Wednesdays, it's Wednesday nights at 7, we have children's ministry, so we have a great time. Uh, but Mark chapter 5, and uh, we're going to start here, and we may end up in Acts or Revelation, or we'll just, we'll see where this goes. Mark chapter 5, y'all okay this morning? Y'all out there? Y'all okay this morning? Okay, I heard, heard this side, I didn't hear this side, I just wondered if this side had fallen asleep. Mark chapter 5. And verse 21 says this, uh, now when Jesus had crossed, <laughs> oh Lord, <laughs> you know, it's funny when you, you uh, we'd laugh about this, but this is true. You can hear people's thoughts when you preach. So I would say, be careful what you think. Oh, little mind, when you preach, you, when your preacher's up in the pulpit, you can begin to be amazed what you hear out there. Uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Uh, I won't share what somebody was thinking, but I heard it. Verse 21, now when Jesus, when Jesus had crossed over, that was a word of knowledge, by the way, <laughs> for those that were part of that conversation this weekend. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by the boat to the other side, a great multitude had gathered to him. And he was by the sea, and behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she might be healed, and she will live. And so Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she had heard about Jesus, she came in behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Amen. You shall be made well this morning. You can just get a hold of the garments of Jesus. It doesn't matter what the circumstance of life is that you're facing. Maybe you're facing discouragement or depression. It doesn't matter what it is this morning. If you can just get a hold of the garment of Jesus this morning, you will be made well. Amen. You know, that's, we say things like that in, in our Christian uh, you know, lingo. Like, Grab hold of the hem of his garment. Grab hold of his hem. And we understand, those of us that have been in, in, in Christianity for a while, we understand that means we've got to press into God and grab hold of His presence and He'll transform us. 
But we hear that, and how many times do we allow those things of Scripture like this, you shall be made well, to go one in one ear and right out the other, and we miss our opportunity for a miracle. We hear and we see what's happening, and we hear the testimonies, and we hear all that God is doing, but it goes in one ear and right out the other, and we miss our opportunity for a miracle. Are you with me this morning? I don't want you to miss your opportunity for a miracle. There, there is, in the presence of the Lord, there is, there is one moment. You're given, I said it earlier, you're given this one moment in his presence. You're given this one opportunity. This woman with the issue of blood had one moment that she could grab hold of his garment. It was that one moment that made the difference. One moment, like Mary, in the presence of the angel who said, Hey, Mary, guess what? You're going to have a baby. And she said, I don't understand. How am I going to have a baby? I've not, I've not known a man. How is that even going to happen? And he said, The Holy Spirit, the angel said, The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you shall conceive. And Mary's response to that, I don't understand, but let it be unto me. And I pray this morning that you might have the same response God, I don't understand. I don't know how you're going to face it. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what it's going to look, about, look like, but Lord, let it be unto me. I don't want to miss the opportunity that you've set before me. I don't want to miss this opportunity. I don't want to miss this moment. Immediately, verse 29, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power, everybody say power, Power, the word dunamis, Holy Spirit power, dunamis, had gone out of him. And he turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult or a noise or disruption. Uh, you know, this, all this weeping and wailing that everybody wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but only sleeping. And they ridiculed him, but when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered and the, where the child was lying. And they took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given to her to eat. I want to go through and just take a look at the scripture and begin to walk through some of the things that transpired here. First off, the Bible says in verse 21 that a great multitude had gathered to him. Jesus had just cast out the demon of the Gadarenes. Let me kind of preface all of this. He had just cast out the, the demons out of the demoniac at the Gadarenes, which we know is thousands of demons. He had just stilled the storm. All of these supernatural things had just happened. He'd got on the boat, crossed over the other side, and there's awaiting him a crowd 
a multitude waiting him. Now we know that in the crowd, and I shared some of this on Wednesday night, but in, in any given crowd, and probably here this morning, there's probably some just like the crowd that came to Jesus. Any given crowd, you have folks that are just innocent bystanders. They were just there doing their fishing. They were about their normal daily business. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up on a boat, gets off the boat, and walks off. And here's thousands of people thronging him. So you have the innocent bystanders. And then, then you have the folks that, that are there spectating. They've maybe heard about Jesus and the miracles. They've heard about what Jesus can do. And so they've come out to see, who is this man Jesus? Who are these miracles? What are these miracles? What is this man all about? But they had no desire for Jesus to touch them themselves. They were there to spectate. Maybe there are some this morning that you've come to church this morning or you come to church and it's spectating for you. You come and you watch the worship. You come and you watch the preaching. You come and you watch the offering. You come and watch it all. And and it's one thing right after another. You just watch. You spectate. But oh, my friend, you're missing out. Jesus is in the middle of the crowd working miracles. Don't just come and spectate. Come hungry for the presence of God in your life. Come expecting, come hungry. You have those that were expecting. That's the other, another group of people in the crowd. Those who were expecting Jesus to do a miracle in their life. These are the ones that we read about. These are the ones where, where the Gospels can't even begin to number the accounts of Jesus' miracles. These are the ones that came for a touch from God. They were hungry for something real, something, something more than what they currently had. Jairus came to Jesus, wanted his daughter to be raised. Who is Jairus? Jairus was a, he was a religious leader of the synagogue. We see here that he was a man of great influence. History says that he was probably a Jewish prince. He was someone of wealth and means and yeah. significance. So much so that when Jairus showed up to see Jesus, the crowd moved aside and let Jairus through the crowd. Let him, there's thousands of people. This one man shows up and they let him in to the presence of Jesus. Obviously, obviously this man had enough public uh, awareness of who he was that when he showed up, people did. They responded. They acted. They moved. They got out of the way. But notice this, that the man's wealth, his influence, his political influence, his stature in the religious community couldn't raise his daughter that was at home dying. Doesn't matter how much political influence you have or money you have or whatever economical influence you have. It doesn't matter in the kingdom. All that matters is the presence and the touch of God on your life. You can, you can have all the influence. You can say all the right things. You can be the religious, the best religious person there is. Jairus' daughter was still dying. He was a religious leader and his daughter was still dying. You can have it all together, but your, your family and your life, your home life, things in your life are still dying. Wow. So he comes in. You know, Jairus, just by nature of him coming in, he was defying the religious order. He was def- defying the religious leaders hated Jesus. They were looking for a way to kill Jesus. They were, they were looking for, for entrapment and, and ways to begin to crucify Jesus and go about this proceeding. G- and here's Jairus, just by the act of him coming to Jesus, said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about what the religious people say. It doesn't matter what other people think. I've got to get into the presence of the Lord. And I want to ask you this morning, with all sincerity, I want to ask you this morning, does your religious attempts at getting to God keep you from truly entering His presence? 
Do you, do you do all the right things? Do you, are, you, are you serving in ministry? Are you, are you a leader? Are you not a leader? Whatever the case is, you do all the religious things that are right, but they can keep you out of the presence yeah. of God. Jairus had to have a, a realization. My daughter's dying and there's nothing else I can do. I've got to get to Jesus Amen. for myself. All of the religious works I do, all of the leadership in the temple, all the great things, all the accolades. Like, like Paul said, I've, I've done it all. I've been taught by the best. I've done the best. I'm the top of the top when it comes to the religious order. But it's nothing. It's a dunghill is what he said. It's a, it's a literal translation. It is a pile of poo compared to the presence of God. That's what he said. It's what he said. So Jairus comes in. And he fell at Jesus' feet. You know, there's a point where we all get to, hopefully that we all get to, is a place of brokenness and a place of humility where we realize, I don't have it all together. I'm not the best of the best. I have issues in my life. I need the touch of the master in my life. And at some point, you find yourself falling at his feet. You know, people say, well, I don't understand why, why we fall. You know, I said Wednesday night, we, we've come up with our religious terms. We call it being slain in the spirit. Come to our church and we'll slay you in the spirit. <laughs> we've got our, we got our Holy Ghost two-edged sword and we're going to slay you down. You know, let me go to that church, you know. Let me sign up for that one. But in, in the Bible, it says they fell. They came into the presence of the Lord and they fell before him. There was, a, there was humility. There was a desire. There was a hunger. They were overcome by life's circumstance. And all I've got to say to you this morning, if you will come, I don't, whether you fall, whether you end up on your knees or prostrate or whatever, whatever, whatever form or fashion you come in, all that Jesus says is, you, will you come hungry? Will you come humble? Will you come and put yourself before my feet? Will you come lay at my feet? Will you come place? You know, sometimes uh, it happens by Holy Ghost power and you end up on the floor. And sometimes you just got to lay yourself at his feet and say, Jesus, I'm going to humble myself before you. I need the touch of the master in my life. My daughter is at home dying and it, it, there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing I can do to fix this situation. The only thing that matters is the touch of God. Jairus says, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her that she may be healed. Verse 24, so Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him. And so the multitude that was at the seashore is now following Jesus and Jairus. And, and I can almost imagine, you know, when, when you're at the point of death and emotional trauma and you're dealing with things, the last thing you want to be is in the middle of a crowd that's thronging you, pushing on you, trying to get, I mean, that's the last thing you want. The last thing you want is to deal with a, a, a crowd of people that's wanting your attention. And Jairus is walking right alongside Jesus. Here's Jairus right in the middle of the crowd, getting pushed on, poked on, prodded, trying to get attention. And in the middle of all of this, I wonder, and you know, the Bible doesn't say specifically, but I, as a man and emotions and things, I've got to wonder what was going through Jairus' mind in that moment. He was concerned about his daughter who was at home dying. He was wondering what was Jesus going to do to raise her and heal her. He's looking at the crowds of people that are thronging. He's caught up in the, in the commotion of the crowd and everything that's going on around him. And here's Jesus 
taking his time. <laughs> Walking with the crowds, taking his time. Come on, Jesus. My daughter's sick. We got to get home. We got to get to the house. Come on, Jesus. Can you hurry this up a little bit? Taking their time. Oh, and then in comes the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says that she came, she came in the crowd behind him. She had had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. And she had spent all that she had, but it only grew worse. Have you ever been in that situation where you felt like you've done all you can do to fix the problem? You've done all you can do to, to get victory. You've done everything you can and spent all that you had. But the only thing that happened is it got worse. Isaiah says, why do you spend your money on things that don't satisfy? Why do you spend your money on, on bread that doesn't fill, on wine that doesn't fill? Come, buy, eat, and drink. Jesus said, come and buy and eat of me. Come drink of me. Come enjoy the sustenance that I provide. Why waste? Why spend your money on things that don't satisfy? And this woman tried all that she had to get healed, to get delivered, and she only grew worse. Maybe you're here this morning and you're facing difficulties or temptation in your life and you've tried to break the habits, you've tried to break the temptations, you've tried to get victory over the circumstances of your life. Maybe it's your business, maybe it's your family, maybe it's your finances, whatever it is. Stop spending your efforts and your time on things that won't break through. Begin, the Bible says in Hebrews that we are called to enter in. What is our striving? I, I forget, Cindy or somebody's talked about striving, or Mandy talked about striving. What, what are we called to do? Paul said in Hebrews that our job is to strive to enter his rest. We've got to become like this woman that says it's not another doctor visit. It's not, the, not another credit card bill or check. or what, It's not any more of that. I've got to strive to enter in to the presence of God. I've got to strive to enter in and get a hold of his garment. There's plenty of people that will try to keep you out of the presence of God. There's plenty of, there's, if it's not the enemy trying to distract you and stop you and cause questions and and. and debates in your own mind, in your own spirit about whether it's the presence of God or it ain't the presence of God or, well, I got to I gotta touch the tassel and I can't touch this and I got to do this and I got to do that. Listen, it, there's plenty of things and people that will keep you distracted out of his presence. Our job is to strive to enter yeah. his rest. We've got to begin to block out what all the other people might say or might think and what our own minds and our own our own can I just say stupidity Amen. will keep wow. us out of the presence of the Lord? Well, I don't want to look foolish. Well, I don't, I, well, what happens? You know, here I am. I've been, I'm a certain woman. Everybody knows me. This woman probably thought everybody knows who I am. I'm, a, I'm unclean. I'm a certain woman, you know. I have a history. And here I am. I'm, I'm coming in before the throne. I'm coming into the presence of God. Strive. Press in. Press in. It's in the place where you begin to get desperate for God and you begin to press into His presence that the miracle begins to take place in your life. It's in His presence. You can't, you can't sit by on the sidelines and watch everybody else receive and watch everybody else get changed. Everybody else's life gets transformed and sit there and wonder, why is Jesus not touching me? Why is Jesus not changing me? Are you too busy wanting him to do it your way? Or are you pressing into his presence? Are you too busy wanting him to, to come and touch you and see you and do, do his thing? And yes, Jesus will do that. And there, thank God for his mercy. 
But more times than not, we see people coming and making a noise. We see the blind man making a noise, getting his attention. We see people calling out. There's desperation for the presence of God in their lives. And this is a great picture of this woman who is desperate for the things of God, pressing in, grabbing hold of his garment. This woman had suffered for 12 years. History and descriptions of her ailment were probably some form of sexually transmitted disease. She had been bleeding. She couldn't stop it. She only grew worse. She was labeled in, in Leviticus by the Levitical law. She was unclean. Everywhere she went, she had to announce, unclean, unclean. She couldn't be touched, and she couldn't touch anything because it would become unclean. That person or whatever she touched would become unclean because, uh, because of her ailment. And so we find this woman. She's not even announcing she's unclean. Had she been pressing into the presence of God she, and saying unclean, these people would have moved. They would have gotten out of the way because they would have become ceremonially unclean. But this woman was desperate to get a miracle in her body. She had to let go of the form of religious law and say, that doesn't matter at this point. What matters is that I get a hold of Jesus for myself. And she grabbed hold of the hymn. The hymn, there was tassels on, on, on those garments, on the hymn. And in the law, those tassels were, the number of those tassels were to equal the name of God. And so what she was taking hold of, she was taking possession in her hand, the name of God, the word of God over her life. And so when you begin to press in to the presence of God, the very thing that you need to grab hold of in his presence is his word and what he says, his name. It, you know, Heather was talking about this morning, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together in Acts. In Acts chapter 3. I'll pause here for a moment and go over to Acts chapter 3 and verse 16. It says, And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong. When you see and know, yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. That was my uh, southern y'all there. Uh, the Bible says you all, but I interpreted In other words, here's this man, this lame man who had been sitting at the gate of beautiful. He had been lame. He couldn't walk. He couldn't leap. He was begging for alms. Peter and John come along on their way to the temple as their normal, uh, as their normal service for prayer. And here's this man who's been sitting there. Alms, I need money. He's asking for money. And Peter and John said, silver and gold, we don't have. But what we do have, we give to yeah. you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the Bible says that this man went leaping and walking and shouting and dancing and pray. He made a big noise in the temple that day. It's okay to get a little noisy in the temple. It's okay to be a little passionate in worship. If Jesus has set you free, then you have permission to be noisy in church. This man was being noisy because he was, it, wasn't, it wasn't vain noise. He wasn't trying to attract attention to himself. He was excited. He had been touched by God and where he was lame, couldn't walk, couldn't move. Now he's up running and leaping and dancing. You probably would be too. You had been laying there for that long and, and, and waiting on people. Now It meant, meant his family life was going to change. It meant his work life was going to change. It meant everything about this man's life was now changing because of one touch, one encounter with the presence of God. 
And they said, the, the apostles' response was, this has happened in the name of Jesus. The result of this has happened because of the name of Jesus. Faith has been given to this man through that name. And so when you begin to take hold of the word of God, the name of God in your life, it produces faith in your life. Romans 10 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. God. In John chapter 1 and verse 14, it says that the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Jesus, Jesus is the word of God, the name of God made manifest for our lives. We begin to get a hold of Jesus in our life. Now, what does that look like? You begin to read the word. You begin to fill yourself with scripture. What does the Bible say? What is, who is Jesus? You begin to devour the gospels. You begin to devour the Pauline epistles. You begin to meditate and study these scriptures. And you begin to get revelation of who Jesus is for your life. And you begin to take hold of his promises for your life. You begin to take hold of what God says over your life. And then it goes on and they say, says here that if I, I heard about Jesus, verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, when I heard about Jesus, then I, I knew, I knew that if I could just press in and get a hold of the hem of his garment, I would be made whole. We don't know what she heard or who she heard it from, but she heard something. Maybe it was about the demoniac getting healed. Maybe it was the storm being stilled. Maybe it was blind eyes being opened. We don't know what she heard, but she heard something. Faith had been stirred in her heart. She took hold of the word of God. She took hold of the promises of God. Stop putting your trust and taking hold of the negative things around you and everything that everybody says to discourage you. Take hold of the promise and the word of God of your life. And then when you take hold of it, you've got to take proper hold of it. Let me just explain what I mean by this. You've got to take proper hold of the word of God. She had to take the word, what she had heard, and grab hold of Jesus with what she had heard. A lot of people want to take what they've heard and they go out into left field with it. They, they go off in some false doctrine. They go off into some weirdness. Spirit and truth have got to kiss. They've got to meet. You, when you take hold of the presence of God, you've got to take hold of the Word of God. When you take hold of the Word of God, you've got to take hold of the presence of God. Some people say, well, you know, this church wants to be an experiential church. They're all emotional. No, no. That's not what we're saying. We are not like that. You've got to have the Word of God, and you have to have the experience of God. Both spirit and truth have to meet in your life. We preach... Spirit and truth, word and truth. You have to have the experience because if you just have word, you become legalistic and religious and dried up, cracked up, and, and dead. You eventually just become a deadhead. But if you, if you have all experience and no word, you become a spiritual fruitcake. We have a lot of flakes and nuts. We've got a whole cereal box of Christianity out there. You've got to take hold of the word the truth, and you got to take hold of it. The, they match. They meet up. They kiss. I promise. They kiss. She took proper hold. You know, one of the things, I'll just pause here. I might step on somebody's toes by saying this, but welcome to celebration. We celebrate. Yes, we do. There's a lot of TV preachers who will tell you, Oh, you just got to, it's all about this life. You, you can be successful in this life. And it's all about being your best you now and you this and you that. You need to take proper hold of the Word of God. 
I don't think the martyrs would be sitting back in their seats saying, God wants you to be. I think their view of success looks a lot different than some of the TV preachers these days. Success in the kingdom of God is not about you being comfortable and driving the best car around and having the best house and the best this and the best that. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? The success in the kingdom of God is how close you get to the presence of God. How, how much do you enter into his presence, allow him to transform you, and it changes the world around you. That is success in the kingdom of God. Success is in the kingdom of God as you get finding yourself tied to a stake being burned alive for your faith and laughing under the supernatural joy of God because you know that these people, they're burning you alive, but they're, they've missed the whole point of your ministry. They've missed the whole point of what God's doing in you. There's a, there's a Wycliffe. <laughs> there might be a Wycliffe in here today who, who takes the initiative and says, I, I'm going to translate the Bible. I'm going to preach the word. And it doesn't matter whether I get burned at the stake or not. It doesn't matter. Matter. It doesn't matter whether uh, you know Luther standing up saying this, here I stand, this is what I believe. It is salvation by grace alone, by faith alone. It has nothing to do with your works. You can kill me if you want. I'm gonna, I might run for the next 20 years of my life, but I'm going to write uh, commentaries. I'm going to write Bibles. I'm going to translate, and I'm going to carry the presence of God to those around me. That's success in the kingdom of God. That's taking proper hold of word and truth and truth and experience in your life. She said, if I might touch him, may behold, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. That word affliction is the Greek word for torture. She had been cured of the torture. Maybe you feel tortured this morning by life. God wants to heal you of your torture. Sometimes our greatest torture is ourselves. And how you fix that is you, put the, you grab hold of the presence of God and the Word of God. Stop torturing yourself. Stop living in torture. Start feeding on the Word of God. And Jesus said he had felt power gone out of him. And he says, who touched me? There was a lot of people touching him that day. There was a lot of people thronging Jesus that day. But the woman with the issue of blood got healed. There is a demand that she placed on the anointing. There is an expectancy that you and I are to come with in our individual lives, private lives with, the, with God. And there is an expectancy that we are to come to God with in church corporately. Individually we come with expectation and corporately we come with expectation. When we come into the presence of God, we come hungry. We come placing a demand on the anointing. We come uh, with, with a desire for more of Him in our lives. If you come to church just to do the religious duty, you miss out on your miracle. You miss out on all that. You might have a good experience and you leave yourself, you know, leave church feeling better, pat yourself on the back, but you can miss your miracle. Oftentimes we don't recognize the reason we leave without is we don't recognize we need it. This woman recognized she had a need. She had only grown worse. She'd, she had spent all she had, and she only got worse. She recognized that there was a problem. God, give us supernatural revelation that we have a problem. God, give us a supernatural revelation that there is inherent to each of us a, a supernatural void in our lives that only God can fill. And the, the problem with that void is it's ever-increasing, it's ever-expanding. It's an ever-expanding void. When you think that you got all that there is to God, like Jewel Dean was saying, I left full. And then she comes back today, and guess what? She's hungry again. Why? Because that void keeps expanding. There's, I've, got, I've got this much of God, and he expands me, and there's room for more. Ever-increasing. Of course, all the 
she gets healed. She comes and falls before him. She falls down and confesses all that happened. Jesus said, go, you go your way, you be made whole. And then in comes the, the friends of Jairus. Hey, don't, don't trouble the master anymore. Your daughter's dead. What troubling words that must have been. Troubling words to hear that your 12-year-old daughter has died. Troubling words, troubling times. That must, and, and in that moment, Jesus looked at Jairus and said, Don't be afraid. Only believe. Jesus is still saying to you today, don't be afraid. Only believe. You may feel like the circumstance is dead. The promise of God is dead. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Trust Him. And they go on their way. They get to the house. Everybody's weeping and wailing and going about their business. The girl's dead. Jesus says, she's not dead. Jesus, we took her pulse. She's dead, I promise. She's dead. She's gone. No, you, Jesus, you're messed up. They ridiculed him, the Bible says. They ridiculed Jesus because he said she's not. You know, when you begin to have faith and you begin to perceive the supernatural realities of heaven more than what you perceive in the natural, when you begin to be more aware of the presence of God in your life and you become aware of the plan and the purposes of God in your life, there are plenty of people who will ridicule you for that. Ask me how I know. <laughs> we get ridiculed all the time. Ask me how I know. I don't mind ridicule. Why? Because I've, I've tasted of something real. I've tasted of something more real. This, the girl, you may look at this situation and say people are responding goofy to the presence of the Lord or, you know, this, why, why is Jewel Dean praying in tongues at the gas pump uncontrollably? Why is Mandy on the floor laughing? You may look at those situations in ridicule. I look at those situations and see the life of God flowing through that. I see, I see Mandy who said by her own omission, I've been striving. I've been a control freak. I've been whatever. And now the joy of the Lord is in my life. And I realize I don't have to have it all together. I don't have to be in control because God's got it covered. I just got to enjoy him. And the minute she did that, things began to turn around the very next week in her life. I don't have to have it all figured out. Jewel Dean, I haven't prayed this much in the Spirit since I was six years old. Why is that? You may ridicule that. Well, you know, she's, that's just Jewel Dean. She's so sweet. That's just Jewel Dean. No, it's the, it's the power of God flowing through her life. She's, she's had an awakening encounter with the presence and the power of God. That's the life of God. I don't have a problem saying, I don't, if that's what God's doing, I don't have a problem saying, well, the little girl, she's just sleeping. It's only, she's just sleeping. And then what Jesus do with those that were ridiculing? Get them out of here. Get them out of here. You need to be careful who you surround yourself with. Listen, there's going to be people ridicule, and, I, and we understand that. But I don't surround myself with those people. I realize they're out there. And I say, let them talk. The more, it's just press. And to me, it's marketing. People will come in because of the negativity. <laughs> it's what happened in Azusa Street. They, the newspaper got a hold of it. Los Angeles Times got a hold of it and ridiculed Azusa Street. And it caused the masses to come because they wanted to see what was going on at this little run-down Methodist, old Methodist building. I say, let it, it doesn't matter. But I'm not going to surround myself with those people. They're not going to be the influencers in my life. Why keep, why keep the naysayers and the negative people in your house? 
Why keep them in your house? Surround yourself with people. Notice Jesus even had to limit the disciples that came in the room with him. Only his closest went in with him. Sometimes even the people that, that you're ministering to, there comes a defining moment where you say, look, either you're in or you're out. Either you're going to have faith for this or you're going to run with me or you're not. Well, anyway, I'll just keep moving on because we, we go down that line, we might step on toes. Then he put him out and he goes up to the bed and says, and I'll wrap up with this. He says, Talitha Kumai takes her hand and um, the girl gets up. Of course, we, you know, expect, yeah, Jesus healed her. Yeah, awesome. But when you're in your bedroom with your little 12-year-old girl who's dead, that's where reality meets the road. So the reality of, is what I preach, is that what I believe? Is what I've heard about Jesus? And my attempts to get Jesus to come heal her, and, and is this really what I believe? My daughter's dead. And I ask you the same thing this morning. We preach the full gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus baptizes in the Holy Ghost, and Jesus is coming again. It's not popular. But when, when trouble comes, when trouble comes and you're facing difficulties, is that what you believe? Or is that only what you say you believe? It's where the rubber meets the road. And so Jesus raises her from the dead. This girl was 12 years of age. The woman had suffered for 12 years with her issue of blood. I just want to point out a couple things about that. 12 in Scripture is the number that represents the church. I believe this, this story, this occurrence in the Bible is a picture of the church. You and I can get stuck in our issues. This, 12, this woman who had suffered for 12 years for 12 years, had not ministered to this little girl because she was too busy going to the doctors. She was too busy dealing with her issues. And for 12 years, she could have been ministering to this girl who was dying. But she missed it. She missed out because of her issues. Issues will keep you. Issues will keep you from, from experiencing God and stepping out and ministering to those around you. Yeah. This, this disease that she had affected her ability to have intimacy with a man. It affected her ability to reproduce and have children. Likewise, issues, issues with God, issues with His church, issues, 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 bitterness. I can do it better, I have whatever your issue is. It will keep you. It will keep you from having intimacy with God. It will keep you from, from having spiritual children. It will keep you from ministering and allowing the overflow. Why? Because... You have issues. The sickness and the disease is rattling your body. And your, your focus and your attention becomes on your issues. Yikes. The only thing that would heal this woman was the dunamis power of Jesus flowing. The Holy Spirit power flowing through Jesus. That same Holy Spirit power. The Bible says that Jesus is sitting right now. At the right hand of the Father, what is He doing? He is making intercession. But the Bible goes on to say that He is pouring out. He is baptizing us in the Holy Spirit. And you can tell me all day long, all you ever preach about is the Holy Spirit. Thank the Lord that's what we preach about. Because that, that was Jesus' heavenly ministry. That's what He's doing. He's saving you, and He wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. That is His heavenly ministry. And He's coming back. 
<laughs> that same dunamis power that flowed through Jesus and healed that woman is the same Holy Spirit power that he's pouring out and making available to you and I today. And I'll wrap up with this. Grace, y'all can come back. Second closing. He turned to the mom and dad. He turned to the mom and dad and said, feed her. Jesus was just as concerned about her discipling this new life as he was of her being alive. Jesus is just as concerned about how you handle his blessing as much as he is giving you the blessing. Well, I want God to do fill in the gap. X, Y, Z. Fill in the gap. I want God to do this. That's great. He's more than able of doing that. He's more than able of canceling your debt. He's more than able of changing your husband or your wife. He's more than able to do whatever it is that you're asking him to do. But the question that Jesus has for you is this. If I do that for you, will you be able to maintain the blessing that I've given you? Will you be able to take this girl, this daughter of yours, and nurse her into full health and keep her healthy? Y'all hear what I'm saying this morning? So it's better for us oftentimes to say, God, I just, I need your presence. I need you to touch me. I need you to change me. I need you to heal my daughter, whatever the case is. But God, I also need the ability to sustain what you give me. I also need the ability to, to walk in holiness. I need the ability. And isn't it just like Jesus to ensure that we have whatever we need Every spiritual blessing has been made available to us. It's not about, listen, it's not about the car and the house and all those things. If you're looking for God to give you those and, and, and God it will bless us, but that's not what I'm after. I'm after Him. I'm, I'm after His presence. In the midst of all of those things, those things come and He'll bless me. But I need the ability, I need the nature of Christ. I need the presence of God in my life that transforms me, changes me to maintain the blessing He gives me. I need His presence working in my life, transforming me. It's called sanctification. <laughs> I, need, I need the dunamis power, but I need sanctification just as much. I need to walk out daily this, this life-changing power of God in my life. You can come in here on Sundays and get touched by God and we can have service and you can shout woohoo and holler and, and we'll have a good time and Praise the Lord together and go out and not live it. You can come in here and the power of God can be present to heal and set you free and the chains of addiction and bondage will break open in His presence. But you go right back out to the bar, guess what's going to happen? You just put the chains right back on yourself. Yes, the power of God is able to transform. Yes, the power of God is able to save. But the power of God, the grace of God is also able to transform your life on a daily basis if you'll live out there what you receive in here. But you've got to live it. You've got to yield daily. God, it's not just, not just 
on Sundays. Lord, it's Monday, it's Tuesday, it's Wednesday. Lord, it's every day. I need to live it out. Help me. I need your power every day of my life. I need the dunamis power of God every day of my life. It's not enough just to have his power working in my life on Sunday. I need the power of God every day of my life, every moment. When I wake up, power of God plugged in. When I, go, when I go to work, power of God plugged in. When I go to school, power of God plugged in. I need the power of God at work every day, every moment. Why don't you stand with me? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Father, I pray that you would help us to live out, to live out what you've spoken. God, that we'll be people that are desperate, that are hungry for your presence. Lord, there will be people that are hungry, that are desperate for you, Jesus. God, give us, increase in us the gift of hunger and desperation. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. God, help us to be hungry. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst. Help us to be hungry and thirsty. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.